for Thursday, March 25th, 2021. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, convincing people that COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective relies on the right message. We want to stay positive about our conversations about the vaccine. Here are all the benefits of taking the vaccine for you and your family. Brian Castrucci, president of the De Beaumont Foundation, joins me to discuss what his nonprofit has found about swaying the vaccine reluctant. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. Many Republicans say they're reluctant to take COVID-19 vaccines. Earlier this month, the health nonprofit De Beaumont Foundation held an online focus group with self-identified Republicans to figure out why. Brian Castrucci is president of the foundation. He's with me now to discuss what they found about what messages and what messengers work to reach the vaccine hesitant. Brian, thanks for talking with me. Happy to, Sam. Maybe let's start by talking about methodology. What did it look like? From even before the vaccines were available, we knew that there was going to be some concern, uh, mostly around the speed with which the vaccines were created and whether they were safe. And when we started the vaccine rollout, we really focused, uh, both De Beaumont and others, on promoting vaccine confidence among communities of color because that's where the burden of disease and death was centered. And so as there has been increased confidence among black and brown communities, we then wanted to start looking at other communities that may have vaccine concerns, because if we ignore any group, it's going to be harder to end the pandemic. And what we know is that the right messages delivered by the right messengers can change minds and save lives. So we actually started with a focus group of 19 people that we did in partnership with Frank Lutz. It was uh, an interesting conversation among Republicans who had a high level of vaccine concern, but we also included in the focus group uh, Dr. Tom Frieden, the former director of the CDC, Kevin McCarthy, the House Minority Leader, Senator Bill Cassidy, Congressman Brad Wenstrup and former Governor Chris Christie. And just to be clear, Frank Luntz, uh, kind of famous Republican pollster. Famous Republican pollster, that same Frank Luntz. 
Did you actually do any kind of phone polling or was it mainly this, this focus group? The way that we're rolling this out is we, we did the focus group and we learned a tremendous amount from the focus group. 18 hours later, we were developing a poll, which is just coming out of the field now. And over the next few weeks and later this week, we'll have more to say from the polling. But what we were able to do is really gather a fair bit of information from this focus group as to what's driving people when they're making the decision to take the vaccine. So what did you learn from these people that y'all talked to? You know, I think the entire pandemic has been defined by political partisanship. And what we need now is to get politics out of it. So if I was having chest pain, I want a physician around, not a politician. And ultimately, people want, and I, and I think this goes for Republicans, but it goes for everybody, we want information and the space and freedom to make an informed choice. No one's ever going to mandate this vaccine. So we need people to have an opportunity to ask questions so that we can help them get the information they need to help them make the right choice. What kind of concerns did people in this focus group have about the vaccine? You mentioned the, the speed with which it was developed. I imagine that's one. But what else did you hear from folks? Speed and safety are the biggest concerns when it, when it comes to the vaccine. And so what we were able to, to discuss with them was the speed was driven by cutting red tape, not cutting corners, that the FDA was involved in every single step and that this is a vaccine that would go through the same process as any other vaccine. But it was cutting the red tape between some of these phases, not cutting corners that allowed us to get this vaccine to market more quickly. We also wanted to let people know that there are tens of thousands of people who were engaged in the phase three trials. That is far more than is typical for a phase three trial. And so this has been rigorously tested and the safety is there. We know it's effective, but that's the information, right? And it's a question of who gives them that information. And what we heard from the group is they want that information from apolitical sources. So physicians and family, that's who they want these facts from. Did you hear from people in this focus group that say hearing from their doctor about the vaccine, did that not come off as political in some way when, when so much about this pandemic has been made political? So it's probably one of our most significant challenges with the pandemic is that it was politicized and it's very hard to do good public health practice against the backdrop of politicization. So what we heard from the focus group members, you know, we asked them, who, who would you listen to? Would they listen to their doctor about taking the vaccine or would they want to listen to former President Trump? All 19 said their doctor. This has been politicized. We have to stop that. Right. Nobody wins. This isn't a debate. If we don't reach herd immunity, our entire population is at risk for new variants and for continued morbidity from COVID-19. So there's no winning or losing. We either all win together or we all lose together. And politics is getting in the way of that message right now. It strikes me that the individuals in this focus group identified as Republicans wouldn't want the former president to deliver this message. Was, was that striking to you? Again, I think it goes back to the fact that this is a personal decision about taking a vaccine. This is about your health. And regardless of who I vote for, 
They don't, they don't know me. They don't know my situation. They don't know my experiences. The person who knows me, the person who is besides me and my family, most concerned about my health is my doctor. And so I want to get the information right from them. I want to hear kind of clear facts because the risk calculation that everyone is doing is, are you more concerned about the long-term effects of the vaccine, which are right now all theoretical, or are you more concerned about the long-term effects from COVID and the possibility of new variants? And that is confirmed. We know that people have had long sustained illness that limits lung function, that makes life much more difficult. And those are confirmed. And we have to make sure that people are, are making the right risk calculation. And right now, the vaccine and its potential long-term effects are much safer than the randomness of COVID because we really don't know who is going to have this kind of long hauler syn syndrome from among those who are infected. That seems to speak to the power of explaining the risks of getting COVID as a motivator for getting a shot. We might think of that as the stick, right? Get the, get the vaccine so you don't get sick. Um, were there any ways in which kind of carrots were also desirable to people, that kind of positive messaging, get the vaccine and you can do X, Y, or Z? Did that speak to people? 100%. We need to help people find their reason for wanting to get the vaccine, whether that's so they can go to a movie or see their grandkids or start their business again. Everyone has some reason for wanting to get the vaccine. We have all lost something throughout this pandemic, whether it's a loved one, a business, freedoms that we used to enjoy. And we need to get folks wanting to get those things back to ensuring that they won't lose any more loved ones, that they will be able to get back to a semblance of normal. So giving them the incentive to get the vaccine is often even better than some of the, the stick ideas of, you know, here are all the bad things. We want to stay positive about our conversations about the vaccine. Here are, the, here are all the benefits of taking the vaccine for you and your family. We want to also make sure that people understand that it's okay to have questions and we have to create spaces where people can ask questions and receive non-judgmental answers. That's so important right now because it's not a time to debate the vaccine, it's a time to inform others, but while also listening with empathy. This is, did you wash your hands? I'm Sam Whitehead talking with Brian Castrucci, president of the De Beaumont Foundation, about what came from his group's recent focus group with vaccine-reluctant Republicans. I wonder, Brian, after doing this work, what you make of this idea of vaccine hesitant, because it seems to me there's this assumption that someone who is hesitant is 100 percent not going to take the vaccine, when really it seems like what a lot of people probably reasonably want is just to be able to have a conversation with someone and get their questions answered. Um, it seems like that's what you found, too. So we typically don't even use the word hesitant at the DeBoant Foundation when we're talking about this issue because hesitant has real negative connotations. What we want to talk about are those people who are concerned and they should be concerned. This is a brand new vaccine trying to fight a brand new virus. And so we need to normalize that concern. We need to sit down 
Listen with empathy. Explore people's concerns. Be honest. We actually don't know what the long-term side effects are of the vaccine. We don't know what its potential side effects could be two, three, or four years from now. We can hypothesize. We can theorize. But what I can tell you with 100% certainty is that COVID has long-term side effects that drastically impact some people's quality of life. And we can't tell who will or who won't do that, who will have that kind of reaction. It's like wearing your seatbelt. You don't wait until after the crash to wear your seatbelt. We put on our seatbelt every time we get in the car. And then sometimes there's an accident, but most times there's not. But we still do that to prevent the negative outcome. And we just, we have to continue to share information and data and stories. And that's the way that we're going to connect with people to help them make the right choice. But ultimately, this is their choice. Everyone's going to have to make it. And we want to make it so that it's an easy choice for most Americans to make. It seems like there has been such high demand for vaccines that that hasn't allowed space for those kinds of conversations to happen. Um, when there is such high demand and vaccines are still so scarce and it's hard to get appointments, how can you have space to have those conversations? Most of the concern that we're seeing right now is among 18 to 49 year olds. That group has not been eligible thus far in most states. And so the demand that you're seeing is typically among older Americans and those with chronic conditions. With President Biden's statement that all Americans will be eligible by May 1, this is exactly the right time to be having this conversation. And it needs to be had between people who have been vaccinated uh, with those who haven't. It needs to happen across, you know, across kitchen tables, in doctor's offices, anywhere that someone wants to have the conversation so that they can feel more confident about taking the vaccine. This is, this is about promoting confidence, answering people's questions, letting them feel that they are informed, not manipulated, and that they have the space and freedom to make their own decision. What then role do elected officials, do public health officials play in inspiring confidence? It seems like a lot of what y'all have found is really about the value of interpersonal kind of conversations and, and relationships. Um, that makes me wonder about the value of messaging campaigns in, in this kind of effort. So what we learned from our focus group is that this group of Republican voters that we talked to didn't trust the media didn't trust politicians, didn't trust big government, and really did not want to be indoctrinated. They wanted the information. They wanted to make their own decision. And so I think it informs how we roll out messaging campaigns and how we really need to prioritize the facts in a very straightforward way. The mRNA vaccine has been built on technology that's been around for decades. No one who's taken this vaccine has died or had a severe reaction. And we tested this vaccine in tens of thousands of people, some of whom had it even more than a year ago. Let's just get to the facts. Let's let people make their choices. That's the way we're going to get Americans vaccinated. If we make this a political debate, then there's a winner and a loser. The only people who can lose is all of us. And hopefully if we can promote vaccine confidence, we will reach herd immunity and we're all going to win together. 
I've always wondered how much of this comes down to an individual's experience. At this point in the pandemic, I would imagine it's harder and harder to find someone who hasn't known someone who's gotten COVID or, or potentially died from it. How much was that personal experience valuable here? And, and what about, say, those individuals who still haven't known anyone who's gotten sick or potentially died from this disease? What we've seen is that people of color and Democrats are more likely to have known someone who has died of COVID-19. It brings a different kind of heft to the experience. If you haven't known someone, or if you have known people who've had COVID but who have recovered, it's communicating to folks that that was a random outcome, that they were fortunate, but that there are so many more people who have not been as fortunate, whether they have died or had long-term consequences that drastically curtailed their quality of life. This is why you have to start conversations with good information and then layer on really good stories about real people. And that's what I think people are looking for. Tell me about that person who had COVID and then had that long hauler symptom. What happened to them? How did it make them feel? How was their life? You know, they want to hear stories, but it's not necessarily packaged up in a glitzy Hollywood ad. You've done this work looking specifically at people who identify as Republicans a, a year ago, you know, early in the pandemic. Would you have guessed that that would be a, a group of people that would be particularly skeptical of, of taking a vaccine? So actually, we started doing this work more broadly among all Americans and then did research among communities of color. Um, much of our research has helped inform national efforts to reach people in communities of color. And then once we were able to work with those populations and have some success, well, then you start looking more broadly for other communities that are in need of the right messages from the right messengers. And we found the data just bore it out that Republicans had a, a high level of concern. It's not unexpected. We've had an ongoing debate about COVID along party lines almost from day one. And so this is making vaccine rollout more complicated because, again, it, it's not a political statement, taking the vaccine or not taking the vaccine. What we need is for every American to have the information that they need to make the right choice for them. Now, we need about 80 to 85 percent of Americans to take this vaccine so that we can reach herd immunity and get back to all the things that we want to do. Seeing our grandkids, going to a football game, making travel arrangements, going to your daughter's wedding. If we don't have enough people taking the vaccine, the risk of variance begins to increase and we could find a variant that could break through all of our vaccines and we would be back to square one and we would lose more American lives. This is a time that we have to double down on our efforts to get vaccinated because with each additional life lost right now from COVID, it's even worse because it was preventable. All of these vaccines prevent hospitalizations, prevent death, prevent severe disease. And so I don't want any American to have to die for something that we can prevent just because they weren't informed enough about the vaccine to make the right choice. 
we've kind of acknowledged over the course of this conversation that the pandemic has been politicized. Is there value in looking at how that happened? You know, it seems like your work is focused on how do we move forward? What's the value of going back and assessing failures that that got us to this point where the pandemic has been made so political? The failure that we've seen with COVID-19 started long before the 2016 presidential election. It started all the way back in the early 2000s because we have regularly and routinely cut governmental public health. We have to at some point reckon with the fact that we've lost more than 500,000 Americans. We've lost 100,000 businesses due to a set of choices that we made. Much of this was preventable. It was never an if, it was always a when. And yet we cut public health. And what we have to do looking forward is understand that our safety, our security, and our continued economic prosperity is going to be dependent on us building a robust public health system that gives America the protections it needs from emerging disease. And if we don't do that, then all of the vulnerabilities that allowed COVID to devastate our society will remain. And next time, the mortality rate might not be, not inconsequential, but might not be as low. And if we did this again with a 10 or 15% mortality rate, the only people we have to blame would be ourselves because we know the path to not politicizing public health, but funding it. Because we can debate which side of the aisle public health appeals to. Public health is the ground on which those aisles are built. And if that ground is cracked, everything's in jeopardy. Brian Castrucci is president of the De Beaumont Foundation. Did You Wash Your Hands? is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. WABE's managing editor is Alex Helmick. Scott Wolfel is chief content officer. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app. That's also where you can leave us a rating and a review. That really helps other people find the show. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.